Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Leading in a Crisis podcast. On this podcast, we talk all things crisis management, and we deliver that through storytelling, lessons learned, and interviews with experienced crisis leaders. I'm Tom Mueller. On our episode today, we're continuing our conversation with supply chain expert Jeff Zudok. Jeff spent more than 30 years at ExxonMobil in commercial roles and then later in supply chain leadership positions. On our episode today, Jeff recounts how he and his team dealt with a major supply chain crisis during the COVID pandemic. Jeff shares with us a great example and outlines key leadership principles that help guide them through this crisis that are applicable for supply chain leaders and any crisis leader. Let's join the conversation now. Jeff, thanks for for being with us. Now, you've got another example here of a supply chain related crisis that relates to COVID. And of course, everybody got familiar with supply chain issues during the COVID pandemic because it seemed like everything went in short supply, starting with paper towels and toilet paper. But then it moved on to, you know, Christmas gifts and and everything else that, you know, gets shipped into and around this country. So I know you've got a specific example of supply chain issue and, and the crisis that erupted from that. Tell us that story. Sure. Uh, the uh, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, this uh, example, I, I think, is really interesting from a supply chain uh, perspective. Uh, again, because it's 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 one of those situations where you really think you got everything all locked up, and uh, you just you just you know sometimes don't uh, see these slowly developing trends that you know once they you know kind of just grow to the point where they're big enough, uh, they they really cause a disruption. So uh, uh, a, a key raw material that uh, we use at, at you know, both the plant in the U.S. and plant in the in, the, uh, in Europe, pardon, uh, was uh, uh, supplied by, uh, for the most part, one supplier, and and this was a contractual. Uh, the material was made uh, in in the U.S. Okay, and uh, we would uh, ship by truck to our plant in the U.S., uh, but the uh, uh, supplier would uh, ship it via ocean container, right, to the EU. Um, in the pandemic, you just mentioned Tom, that uh, you know the container shipping um, industry was was completely disrupted, right? And I mean completely disrupted. It, it wasn't just things weren't getting made, and so they weren't getting shipped. Uh, there, there just became this massive imbalance of where the containers were because things weren't getting made and they weren't getting shipped, right? And container availability, right? is really what drives the ability to be able to ship from point A to point B to point C, right? If the containers aren't in the right place, your stuff's not going anywhere. So what happened? Well, this is a, a really interesting issue because uh, we had weekly reviews with this supply. This is how critical this raw material was. We would meet weekly and we would go over supply to both the plants, okay? And they had a pretty decent level people on their side uh, that were talking to us, very competent company, right? And we would go through, okay, what's shipping when? When is it going to arrive? What, what do we need to adapt our production for? If there was a delay, things like that, right? And uh, so we're all rolling along, you know, happy and smiling, right? And uh, 
one of the uh, folks that worked in, in, in one of my teams in, in Europe uh, mentioned to me that, uh, you know, we had gone several weeks without the receipt of one of the particular raw materials they shipped to. There, there were two big pieces that they, or two big things that they shipped. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of them wasn't coming in. We came to find out that uh, they were kind of handing off their review of when all these things were going to happen to their group that managed container shipping and the group that managed container shipping uh, wasn't watching it mm-hmm. they were just thinking it was going and so they weren't talking to the freight forwarder about these particular containers right they didn't even know so jeff set the stage for us then the, the you know so the, the plant's running it's got some inventory running low now what's the potential financial impact of running out of this uh, raw material? Eight figures in the long run. I mean, if you don't have it, you know, you're, you're talking tons of tons of material that you eventually will not sell. Mentioned earlier too that, uh, you know, I, I, I worked hard on making sure that our inventories were, were right. We don't hold too much. We don't hold too little. It's a very hard thing to do. When, once you get to that point, there's an underlying assumption that all the elements that feed into that inventory level are going to work. You're going to get the raw materials you need when you need them for the most part, right? Yeah, no, this was going to take the, uh, uh, you know, utility of that plant, uh, ultimately to zero, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, that, that's how ridiculous it got. Okay. Uh, right. now we weren't there yet. So you've got a supplier who's committing to you that they are shipping these materials, but within that supplier's organization, they're just not paying close attention to what's going out the door. They they definitely missed that uh, the containers weren't shipping. Yes. Yeah. Uh, When the epiphany finally happens, you know, we did everything we talked about before. We took a look at how big the problem could be. And in this case, it was a big deal. Right. Uh, what can we do to solve it? And that's the first place we went. The uh, uh, supplier uh, would not air freight material to us. And just to, again, qualify that a, a little bit, this particular raw material uh, uh, was the highest percentage material that went into our product. Okay. I mean, it was almost half of our product was made up of this. Right. And yeah, so you can imagine, I mean, we, we used a lot, right? And so to air freight, what we needed, you know, that in and of itself would have been probably millions of dollars, definitely many hundreds of thousands just to get us over a hump even, right? Uh, so uh, they were uh, extremely reluctant to do that. And they also said uh, that they couldn't find additional containers to do it. We actually, the very first thing we did after we formed our QR team, Okay, so all the other things we talked about before, you get the right people involved, right? You get all the different groups involved. What can we solve? What, you, you know, what is going to be a problem, et cetera? And we went through all of that. Uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, things that, that we did do is we actually rolled in our freight forward. Okay, uh, we asked them, you know, for solutions. What do you think can happen? Now, we were looking for advice to give back to our supplier. What we learned uh, was that the port that where our plant shipped from was different, of course, than the plant where or the port where our supplier shipped from, because the plants were in different areas, right? We found out was we we could actually get containers from our port, okay? Uh, our supplier was not set up to ship from there, and and all the 
you know, red tape and admin that comes along with working for a, a massive, you know, company uh, kind of prevented them from acting very quickly and start shipping out of the port that, that we shipped our stuff from. Okay. Uh, you know, imagine if all of a sudden BP wanted to turn on a dime and say, okay, I've never done this before, but I'm going to do it tomorrow. It never would have happened. Right. I mean, <laughs> no. you know, you got, you got nine months of stuff to go through. Right. That's you right. know? And so uh, same thing here. And uh, so what we did was uh, we actually got 30 containers and shipped our own raw material that we had in our warehouse that was going to be used at the U S plant. And we shipped it to Europe ourselves. And mm -hmm. uh, we said to the supplier, look, we did this in like two days. Okay. And, uh, you know, we're able to get 30 containers of the material over from our own inventory, which you can replenish by truck. Right. So, you know, that we could do. And there, there was no shortage of material. Right. Mm -hmm. Again, this was a logistics disruption. So, uh, we spent all that money, uh, shipped it over there. Uh, it got there within a few weeks. And so, uh, we were able to extend you know, our, our, our potential funeral a little bit, right. And, and start working this problem, uh, better. Uh, the, uh, suppliers still, uh, had real problems getting stuff shipped to where we needed ship. Long and short of it was that, uh, we ended up, uh, actually running out. I think it was for about a week that uh, we weren't able to make the materials that we needed to make in the U.S. for that plant, uh, of the material that we ran out of. And uh, so, yeah, now we didn't run out for a month, right? right? But yep. uh, we, we, we did shut some lines down. But then the big problem was that because all this stuff was in the queue, eventually it all shipped, okay? Yeah. And it all yeah. shipped in a plug, right? And all <laughs> of a sudden, right, we're, we didn't have material trickling in. I mean, we're getting, you know, scores of containers, okay, <laughs> showing up at the dock. And we don't have any place to put it. Okay. I, I mean, you know, we use uh, a lot of third-party warehousing, right? And uh, uh, the one uh, third-party warehouse that we use for this particular plant um, actually erected a, a, an extra building as this whole thing started, as we, as we looked to the view of how much was going to come in. And uh, we, we filled that entire building. You know, that took a couple of months too, right? And so for a while, uh, you know, we were looking for other warehouses. You know, what do we do? Do we keep it important? Uh, I actually had to make a decision. Uh, do I pay to merge on these containers, right? Or uh, do I, you know, go with a third party that uh, is going to cost me a lot of money? Warehousing, by the way, became extremely expensive during the pandemic. Well, Jeff, for our, for our listeners who aren't familiar with demurrage, um, it's essentially holding, paying a ship to just lay at anchor and wait for you. What's the scale of cost for holding a ship like that? In this case, the demurrage is not on a ship. It's actually on the container. Uh, the answer uh, to your question is uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of, we'll say, you know, something measured in less than 15 weeks. Okay. Uh, you know, because, uh, again, there's a there's a flow. Right. And, and we're trying to figure out what the production schedule can be so we can make, you know, pull the stuff out as quickly as we can. And, you know, how much can we store at the site? You know, can, can we stack these things to the sky at the site? Uh, you know, I, just anything we can do to not incur costs. But but it, 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 it was quite a bit. It was yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, Jeff, there's a whole nother sort of level of coordination now within the company, within the 
sort of supply chain world now about right. where where are we going to absorb the cost of this and how much is it worth to us? So um, decision making on that, is that, you know, was that fairly straightforward process or is that something you had to really wrangle? Well, the nice part about it was, uh, you know, when it came to the supply chain parts of it, especially the movement and storage parts, right? I got to make the decision, right? I mean, it was my job, it was my group, I ran the supply chain. And so that was up to me. And if I made a mistake, it was on me, right? Mm -hmm. Fine, you know, but but at least we could we, we could get through it. And and I'm gonna say, I, I had a great team, right? And I mean, a great team. Uh, the folks in Europe were phenomenal. Uh, they're, uh, and uh, the folks in the US that we work with too, uh, because some of them had global jobs uh, were phenomenal. And uh, they, they, I mean, just the, the ideas that they came up with and, you know, frankly, even the stewardship mechanisms that they created on the spot to help us through this, uh, we ended up using far into the future, right? Uh, it was great. The, the big connector this time, and, and so again, the QRT was formed, we did the same thing, you know, this time you got to do it over a pond. Like, uh, and so, you know, we're up early because we're talking to Europe, right? And, and we want to give them as much time as we can to get them to work through their day, right? So it's not like we're waiting till eight o'clock to call them. We're, we're getting up at, you know, five in the morning, four thirty in the morning, whatever, you know, as much as we can to have these calls. And uh, 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 the the connectivity with the manufacturing organization in this case is is really what uh, uh, helped us uh, helped us through uh, the, the the pieces that we couldn't do on our own. You know, we we had this terrible event where we ran out of stuff, and then we had this you know I'm I'm, I'm going to say it was almost this this ridiculous event where we had just way 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 too much, and the amount of inventory that actually came in lasted us. I, for months and months and months and months. I mean, we were so oversupplied. <laughs> and, you know, we still had contractual requirements to take certain amounts of material, right? And so it just kept getting worse, right? But uh, uh, we ended up uh, creating some, like I said, some great logistics uh, solutions in working with both third parties and with our manufacturing folks. So, yeah. Jeff, if you uh, just sort of step back and and look at the big picture again, summarizing key lessons learned around the, you know around the leadership aspects of this and others, what how would you summarize that? And number one, you know, quickly assess the issue as quickly as you can and figure out where those the, those key problems are that you need to solve first, and then and then stick to that plan. In in this situation, I mentioned before, you know, people that work with me you hear me say all the time, you know, we're on step three. Don't worry about step nineteen. This was riddled with that, riddled with it. You know, oh, we can't make this. Oh, that customer's going to run out. Oh, this, you know what? You can't worry about that, you know, because right now I just got to get, you know, material to the plant, right? And so knowing which problem to solve first, second, third, fourth, absolutely critical. Of course, getting the team together right and getting the people that can just make decisions and move forward. In this case, we had no issues with that, none, uh, at, at least on our side. Our, our supplier had some issues there, for sure. And, and they sometimes got a little slow, uh, but uh, that was a, a process issue on their end, right? Uh, trusting folks to come up with solutions, just really letting people do what, you know, their ability and capability allows them to do and create uh, really worked well. I, I, I just some incredibly creative ideas that maybe were sitting there the whole time and no one really thought about until you're in the crisis. But then 
giving them the opportunity just to do it. Yeah, sounds like a great idea. Make it happen. If it didn't work, and a couple things that didn't work, that's all right. Move on. Don't worry about it. You know, it's not like you know anybody died or you know anything like it was nothing like that, right? Right. Uh, uh, so you know, give them the space to really shine and, and do it and trust, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, again, uh, I, the other piece is to, um, and I don't remember if I said this in the other example, but mapping those waypoints and, and checking the boxes and, and making sure you are where you need to be. And if you're not, what are you going to do to get there as quickly as you can? You know, is it a problem you can take off and get rid of? Uh, but that, that stewardship of, you know, where are you? What's the next thing you got to do? Where are you? What's the next thing you got to do is really critical. And then, um, from the leadership end too. You, when you're leading these teams, you, you just, you gotta be confident, right? And, and you just have to exude it. And, 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 and I'm, you know, it might sound corny. And, and I don't know if any of the people I used to work with are going to listen to this. I hope so. I'm going to send them a link, but, uh, uh, I, I, I had a great team and, and I trusted them and, and, and I knew they knew how to do, you know, their end of what they needed, uh, much better than I could have ever done. Right. And uh, I just I, I I loved watching him do it. Right. Um, I, I, I it was just a joy to see him, you know, just dig in on this stuff and wrangle it and solve it, you know, and uh, they stressed less, uh, I think, because, you know, I and you know some of the other high level folks that were in, in, involved said, you know what, you, you got it. Make it happen. You're, you're good. And you're giving them space to operate. And that's that can be a tough leadership skill, right? Is to make the assignment and let people deliver, right? If you can't do that, you shouldn't be in a leadership role. Right. You absolutely should not. You're 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 in the wrong job. Uh, you're all you're gonna do is slow things down and uh, actually create more problems in the world. Sounds like good leaders make good teams. You know, I got lucky. Uh everybody on my team was either a really good leader or uh, they were on their way to becoming one. They, they, they were tremendous influencers. I'll, I'll say it that way. So yeah, it was good. So stressful, of course, disappointed at some points. Yeah. I mean, you always are. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, the cup's always half full. You're going to solve the problem. You got good people. And that's why, frankly, uh, that, that's why I never really worried too much of, of, about stuff. Right. I hired a lot of the people that worked on my team. Okay. Right. So, and I, I felt like I did that right, you know? And so I wasn't worried about them getting a solution. Right. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. We're going to wrap it up here, uh, but it's been just our pleasure talking with you today and kind of learning some leadership lessons through the lens of supply chain crisis. So thank you very much for making time and we hope you'll come back again soon. Anytime. Thank you very much. Enjoyed it a lot. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Leading in a Crisis podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, then please like and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating. And please tell your friends and colleagues about us as well. And we'll see you again soon for another episode of the Leading in a Crisis podcast. Thank you.